Welcome to Freedom Matters Today. I am Michael J. Sutton. This is Sunday, May the 15th, 2022, Episode 7 of Freedom from Fear. Today's episode is titled, Do the Nations Have a Destiny? Nowhere does the New Testament give any nation a destiny. The nations are simply the vast pool of humanity from which God will draw his lost sheep, his children, his people, those who follow his son, Jesus the Messiah. The purpose of the nations is simply that they are the ones who will hear the message about Jesus, respond, believe in Jesus and receive the Spirit of God. Out of the nations, including the nation of Israel, which has always been a nation, not simply a people, God creates a new people, his people, a new nation. Peter, a Jew, a fisherman and a disciple of Jesus, who was by no means a perfect man, said this in 1 Peter 2 verses 9 to 11. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. These are disturbing words, especially one phrase if you are a Christian fascist. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. This is the most offensive phrase to Christian nationalists and Christian fascists. You were not a people before you knew God. You lived in the, in the nations, you lived in a nation, but you had nothing to bind you together. Your ties were of no significant what, significance whatsoever, and you did not know God. When God called you out of darkness, he called people from all nations, including people from nations you despise, with colours you spit on, with ethnicities you condemn, with backgrounds you look down upon, with names you deliberately mispronounce, with cultures you scorn, you racist filth, and they are your equals before God. They are not inferior to you, they are not lesser than you, and you are no better than they, because you are all called not into the light of your nation, or your culture, or your language, but into the light of Christ. You become God's people only because of the mercy of God. Unfortunately, we live in a world where nations believe they have a destiny. This national belief has become an obsession to the point where many Christians who claim to believe in Jesus Christ cannot tell the difference between nationalism and faith. It's not just America. This sickness is everywhere now. This madness is commonplace, and I do believe it's one of the greatest threats to liberal democracy today. Many social commentators call this Christian nationalism, and I beg them not to. You must stop using the term because it's wrong. There's nothing wrong with nationalism. It's simply a love of one's nation, and there's nothing wrong with that. We must love something. Most nations are important to most people, and their ancient categories. I use the term Christian fascism because that locates the essential nature of their beliefs. The use of the state 
to force people to adopt so-called Christian values, none of which are Christian. They are misery and oppression by any other name. Anyone of any creed or belief must oppose them. They are a cancer in the West and increasingly in the East. Call them by their true name, expose their true identity, and reveal their true allegiance. They are fascists. They use Christianity to advance their own political and economic agendas. But what if nations do not have a destiny? What if nations are entirely free? What if God has given them simply free reign in the world? Of course, I believe that God orders all things according to his providence or his guiding hand through the course of events and people. This is the idea that God works through us and much of it's a mystery as to why or how things are done. After all, we're not God. Joseph, who was sold into slavery by his brothers, reflected on this for many years. At the end of his life, he could tell his brothers, whom he met at the end, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Genesis 50 verse 20. Such words, such incredible words. Only a man who has suffered terrible pain could ever say those words. He admits the wrong, the crime, the evil, but he sees also the divine hand of God at work in his life and in the lives of his brothers. They meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Then we have Christ himself, his terrible death on the cross. Paul, sorry, Peter says to the crowd of men, many of whom were in the mob, who called for the death of Christ, that evil men put him to death, but he also died to, due to the predetermination and election of God, Acts 2.23. Peter said, This man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Christians get so much in a muddle over this verse and seem to have no problem with what Joseph said, but both men are saying exactly the same thing. This is that God works through human agency in mysterious ways to accomplish his purposes. It is man's intent, but God's purpose. What if nations are here for one purpose, and one purpose alone? What if that purpose has nothing to do with them? What if all nations are simply gathered for one reason, and one reason alone? What then? Well, there would be profound readjustment. Profound. Nations who believe they have a destiny would realize that their entire reason for being was a lie, a deceit. There may even be something we used to call humility. Americans, many of them, believe their nation has a destiny. Well, do you meet humble Americans? Is humility an American virtue? How many American Christians do you believe who are humble? Paul says this about those who follow Jesus. It is his exhortation or advice for all people who follow Christ. Check your hearts to see if you measure up or see these qualities in your nation or national leadership. Ephesians 4 verses 2 to 3. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit 
through the bond of peace. Let me read those words again. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. My question, is that American politics today? Is that the face of American foreign policy? Is the American church known for its humility? What do you think? Paul tells us that he believes the nations have no destiny beyond the gospel of Christ. He would laugh at the Christian fascists and their mad American dream and call it all complete nonsense. America is another nation, whether it was founded 300 years ago by slave traders, warmongers and Puritans, or whether it was formed by the many First Nations people. They were simply, and are simply, a nation, or a set of nations, like all nations. Paul, of course, wrote 2,000 years ago. He never went to America. But the point is, no nation or set of nations has a divine purpose. Paul's thinking repudiates exceptionalism entirely. In fact, his thinking pushes us back to the original schools of thought I mentioned in a previous episode in secular education that challenges us to see all nations the same. If you want to know the mechanics of the state, then go to liberalism, Marxism or realism, but do not go to the Bible. It is silent. It is completely silent. Why don't we hear this more often? Well, because Christian fascists in America lie about the Bible all the time. They rarely open it, and when they do, they ignore what is written in there. They pick and choose verses from obscure prophets in the Hebrew Bible and apply them to America, and they talk about destiny. It's all complete nonsense. Paul writes these words in Ephesians 3. To me, the least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach the gospel, so to preach the message in the nations, the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring all to light was the fellowship of the mystery, having been hidden from eternity in God, the one creating all things through Jesus Christ, that might be made known now to the rulers and to the authorities in the heavens, through the assembly, the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. I can promise you that very few Christian leaders in America will touch these verses because Paul takes a sledgehammer to national pride. There is nothing left. He smashes it. All of it. It's broken into a thousand pieces. And so it should be. There are three ideas I would like to draw out from Paul's rather enigmatic statement. First, the problem of translating the church and saints. Paul, Paul is not talking about the church. He is talking of the assembly, a gathering of people who are those who testify about the unsearchable riches of Christ. The saints are not good people, or people elevated by the church, but all people from Abraham onwards who looked forward to the Messiah, as well as the many Jewish people who accepted Christ as their Messiah, and, are the, and the many people from the nations who also accepted Christ. They are the saints at Ephesus. Second, the mystery that was hidden from eternity in God is one concerning fellowship, which means friendship, communion, brotherhood. It is the assembly of believers drawn from those who come from the nation of Israel who believe in Jesus and from the nations who believe in Christ. And they are all members of the same assembly. They are all brothers and sisters in Christ. 
regardless of which nation they come from. Third, it is the assembly of men and women, boys and girls, drawn from Israel and the nations that exhibit the wisdom of God. This assembly of people is the eternal purpose of God that was accomplished in Christ Jesus. This eternal purpose was shaped by the Messiah. The assembly is a group of people drawn from the nations, not the nations themselves. And the only purpose of God is his wisdom to create a new humanity centered on the person of Jesus Christ. The take-home is this. There is one new humanity in Christ. The new humanity has nothing to do with the nation. There is no connection between the gospel of Jesus Christ and the nation. There is no Christian nation. The nation is significant only as a place where the gospel is preached and people are drawn from the nations to join Israel as God's assembly, exhibiting the manifold wisdom of God. Membership to this assembly is not about religion or baptism or denominations or nations, but simply a new humanity centered on Jesus Christ and the common denominator, all the members of this new assembly of those who place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ as both Saviour and Lord. Fear comes from the nations that believe they have a destiny, but the Bible teaches they do not. None of them do. Their pride in themselves has the result of filling them with fear that others will seek to take away their power. Probably. All nations fall eventually. But people in power in these fearful nations transfer Transfer this fear onto you so that you are anxious and under their control. Christian fascists also do the same. People with human power are always behaving in the same way. The nations have no destiny. They are free. God has set them free in Christ. Christ is available to all. You are free as well. Fear need not control you. Christ has come to set us free from fear, anxiety and despair, that through the light we might experience the unsearchable riches of Christ and walk each day in freedom. Remember, freedom matters today because you matter to God. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We have a new podcast every day. Freedom Matters Today explores freedom from a Christian perspective. Be sure to check out our daily blog at freedommatterstoday.com and subscribe. Join me tomorrow for another episode of Freedom from Fear.